for. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, there's one in front of you. Uh, This is out of the ESV, which is different than the Bible that's in the pocket in front of you. But Matthew 34, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. uh, And then uh, 34b, kind of halfway through the verse, he says this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many have heard that verse before? Out of what's going on inside of you, the mouth speaks. So how many have heard the uh, phrase, actions speak louder than words? Yeah? Probably all heard that. So actions can be a sign of where somebody's heart is. But the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, or whatever's going on in this region here, comes out of this region here. Right? So maybe put your hand on your heart. And, and, and think of the proverbial heart of the, the stuff, the issues of life. Think about what you're going through right now. Thinking about the struggles that you're having. Thinking about the frustration that you may be dealing with or whatever it may be. And out of that abundance or whatever's going on in here comes out of here, right? And so actions can be a sign, but words reveal, Actions can be a sign, but words reveal what's going on in someone's heart. Have you met that person that does all kinds of loving and helpful things for other people? They, uh, they're always uh, doing something, and they're always telling you about it, right? Have you met that person? Oh, we went down and built houses for orphans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, well, these were really, really hurting orphans. So, or, or you know, we, we did this or we did that. And, and so, so as we hear people say those things, it's not a bad thing to be talking about the good things that God does. But how many know that words can not only reveal the negativity that's in your heart, but words can also reveal the pride that's in your heart, right? So you're hanging around with someone and they tell you all their good deeds I know you've had done so many good deeds because you've told me at least five times. I, I had a conversation with a person uh, a while back, and this is how the conversation went. They were saying, you need me, I can do this, I can do that, this is something that you need me to do. And my response to this person, it may sound kind of harsh, but my response to this person is, I'm well aware of that because you've told me four times, Right? So the heart has the power to reveal, the words have the, have the power to reveal what's really going on in the heart. The Bible says that the words reveal what's going on inside of your heart. So I have two tubes this morning. I have two tubes. One is a tube of toothpaste. One is a tube of tomato paste. If I squeeze this toothpaste, how many want to make a bet that toothpaste will come out of this tube, right? I mean, does anybody want to challenge that? I haven't stacked the deck. I just took the seal off this morning. So as I squeeze this toothpaste, lo and behold, toothpaste comes out, right? And as I squeeze this tomato paste, we never use this stuff. Lo and behold, tomato paste comes out, right? So here's the deal. Why am I saying that? Because all week long, we have issues that come up that squeeze us. We have issues that come up that frustrate us. We have issues that come up that cause us tension and pressure, 
right? What is going to come out of you when you are pressured or squeezed? Here's the simple answer. Whatever's inside of you. Whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out of you when you are squeezed. So if you go around speaking negative words of defeat, putting others down and complaining all the time, it's a sign that you need to refocus your heart and mind. It's a sign that the overflow of your heart is polluted. The overflow of your heart is polluted. Especially as we get moving into this holiday season, what is crazy about uh, holidays or Thanksgiving through Christmas, the Advent season, whatever you want to call it, in the United States, is it seems like we get more frustrated and more stressed as we get going closer to the time where we should be so overwhelmed with joy. Haven't even noticed that. And here we go again. We're starting. Black Friday is now Thursday. So we can go argue about a television on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving night right? And so we're so filled with all these different things. I want to challenge you with something real quick, and this may, this may bother you. I'm asking you, if someone says to you, whether it's a clerk at a grocery store, or someone at a department store, or a random stranger, if someone says to you, happy holidays, I want to ask you, do not yell back at them It's Merry Christmas. And here's why. Here's why. Does that really have the effect you think it's having? You're now angry when you're supposed to be filled with joy and you're showing anger because they said something that maybe offended you. Here's where the word holiday comes from. Are you ready? It comes from an original word that actually means holy day. What? So when someone says to you, unbeknownst to them, they don't have any idea, they're saying happy holiday, what they're saying to you is happy holy days. I can get behind that. So maybe our response is, well, happy holy days to you too. With a smile on your face. What sounds better? Happy holiday. Well, happy holy days to you too. Or happy holidays. Don't you know it's Merry Christmas? What's wrong with this nation? Nobody can say Merry Christmas anymore. Which has a bigger impact? Which is going to get to that loving place that you're wanting to get to? I'm not asking you to compromise yourself. I'm just saying, settle down a little bit. It's Christmas. Right? So... You speak negative, and it's a sign that the overflow of your heart is polluted. How many know that we are meant to operate on the overflow? As God pours into us, we're meant to overflow and affect the people around us. That's the way it works. We receive from God. We get filled up, right? We get filled up, and as a result of our being filled We overflow, and it flows to the lives of other people. If you didn't see that, the water overflowed and flowed into the the bowl, and it's supposed to symbolize other people being touched. But here's the deal. If we're running around negative and frustrated, and we're allowing all these 
pollution to come into our lives. I know. How many know that as we allow the negativity to come in our lives, we rush around a little bit more? We get shaken a little bit more. We get flustered. We're running around. We learn an emotionally healthy spirituality that if we don't slow down, right, things just become overwhelming. And it's not too bad. You can still kind of see through it. But it's, it's polluted. And so, so what begins to happen is we go out into the community or we come here to church and we receive from God, but our overflow is polluted. And maybe you're able to give a few encouraging words, but the reality is you want to rip someone's head off. You're sick and tired of all of the junk. Hey, you know what? I, I'm right there with you guys. I hate crowds. And I'm just going to confess it. I, I get frustrated with crowds. It's amazing that I like Disneyland. I like Disneyland when it's not crowded, which is like two days a year. But I, I'm not big on crowds. And I find that when I subject myself to a crowd at a store or a mall and my internal is polluted because maybe I haven't spent time with God or maybe I haven't received from him what I need to receive from him because I've avoided him or maybe I've been negative. Maybe I've been discouraged. Maybe I ate the wrong things and it affected my blood sugar. Whatever it may be, my overflow is polluted. And I've had experiences like this where you're, you're coming in contact with someone and every fiber of your being says, be nice, be nice, be loving, be loving. And you're like, yeah, it's good to see you too. Right? Praise the Lord. And then, and then you inevitably run into that salesperson that's just over the top, right? They want to sell to you. And you want to be loving, but your overflow is polluted and there's just no possible way. So I want to talk about that. So if you, if, you, if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. The title in your Bible probably says, On the Road to Emmaus. And this is a little story of what happened uh, after Jesus was crucified. It says, That very day, two of them were going to a village, village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Two of them meaning two disciples, two guys that were in the inner circle. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is important to remember that. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. So imagine this going on. Two guys are walking. The stranger walks up. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Seriously, bro? Right? Like all these things just happen. And they stood still looking sad or downtrodden or upset. And, 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 and how many of you have had a conversation like that this week? How are you doing? <sighs> I've been better. I'm sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him. 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to him, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. So this dialogue is going back and forth. You seriously don't know what happened? Have you been living under a rock, bro? No, I don't know what happened. A man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, the word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Remember in the early days of Jesus, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter right, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm sure when Jesus was responding to him and said, that's correct, Peter, and flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father in heaven, how many of you guys think the rest of the disciples heard that exchange? So they probably knew that Jesus was the son of the living God. Yet here, he was a prophet, mighty, and he was condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped We had hoped, let me help you with your vocabulary. Oh, we had hoped that it would happen that way. Can we turn that into, we are still believing. We are still hoping. We are still counting on God. We had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since all these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels. We're not sure if they were lying or not. And they went to the tomb. They found what the woman said, but then there was no, we didn't find him anywhere. So all these things are happening and, and, and people are saying angels and you know, he talked about how he'd be raised but we couldn't find him anywhere. So here we are walking this journey and we're discouraged because it didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen. And what did Jesus say? You foolish ones and slow of heart to believe and all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures and things concerning himself. They get a little farther their journey and all lo and behold, they realize it's Jesus. Here's the deal. What is happening here? This is a picture of our lives this week. This is a picture of our lives this coming up week. When we fail to believe the promises of God, when we confess negativity and discouragement, we literally blind ourselves from the one who is saying, I want to show you what is still to come. So it's in that moment when something didn't happen the way that you thought it was going to happen, or something went a different direction, or maybe it hasn't even completed its cycle yet, and you begin to say, oh, oh, I sure wish that would have happened that way. I'm so bummed. I'm so frustrated. I'm so discouraged. And Jesus shows up and says, what is wrong with you? They were so discouraged that they couldn't even recognize the man who'd been with them for the last three years. 
They were so discouraged, they couldn't even understand that the best was yet to come. They were so frustrated with the way things seemed and the way things appeared that they couldn't see that God had a bigger plan than they could imagine. How many have been in that place of discouragement? How many have been in that place of frustration? I'm here to tell you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the best is yet to come. I am speaking that over you. I'm speaking that over this church. I'm speaking that over the staff and servant leaders of this church. I'm speaking that over your families. I'm speaking that over the generations to come. I'm speaking that over babies who've been born right there. Little Levi, Levi, the best is yet to come. Levi is the daughter of our next gen director and his wife. We're believing great things for her. We're believing great things for you. Would you say it with me? One, two, three. The best is yet to come. As you say that, trust the Lord. For the promises of God find their yes in him, Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. The promises of God are yes and amen. Guys, listen, God has promised big things for each of you. And his answer is yes and amen. It may not look the way you think, but his promises come with yes and amen. And then we say things like, I guess this is my life. Well, I guess this is my lot in life. This is just what I'm going to be faced with for the rest of my days must be some sort of punishment from something I did when I was 17. Yeah, shouldn't have got pregnant. God, God's mad at me, right? Well, I made some mistakes, so this is just what life's going to be like. Well, that, that situation went like everything else in my life, down the drain. And then we say this, see, this is why I don't try. How many of you ever said that to a significant other when you're in a negative situation with them? And maybe they didn't respond the way you thought they were going to respond. And our response is, see, this is why I don't try. This is why I don't talk to you. Because this is how it ends. And we confess that negativity again and again and again. Our words have power. As we end life sentences, understand our words have power. And you can't just willy-nilly speak negative things because they go into the world and they create new realities all around us. And if you think your words do not have power, stop and think again. Imagine, imagine for one minute if we never spoke a negative word again, how our lives would begin to transform. If we always believed that God was going to take care of the situation, 
if we never doubted, if we never had fear, if we always said the best is yet to come, Imagine if we stop thinking like a black person or a white person or an Asian person or a Native American person or a Hispanic person and started thinking like a person of God, someone, a child of God. Imagine if we stopped thinking like a right winger or a left winger and started thinking as children of God and confessing what God says over us, over every single circumstance in, our, circumstance in our life, imagine how our life would begin to transform. God wants that for us. Life comes in words. Words become sentences. Sentences become experiences. Experiences become life lessons. Just because you've gone through a plethora of life experiences does not qualify you to be experienced. How many have been on this hamster thing for years and you're just running in the same direction and nothing is changing? And you go through a circumstance and you're like, okay, here I go again. I'm going to go through a circumstance that ended just like I thought it was going to end, just like last time. Okay. And you know what God says? Here's what God says. With every joy that he has, guess what? You're going back through that. <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> We're like, yes! I'm going back through it! Yes! Oh, it ended just like I thought it was going to be. Right on! Because you get to say with me, go back through Or maybe we walk through it again, and you're like, ooh, I learned some things there. It was no different from before, but boy, I learned some things. God says, here comes a new level. Here comes a new level, right? A new level. Why? Because your words were an outcome or an expression of what's going on in here, and you finally got into a place where you get it. You came through that situation and you learned something. And God says, here's a new level. That's intimidating. Yes, it is. But the best is yet to come. If you do not learn from your experiences, you will create a culture of crisis. And in that culture of crisis, we begin to thrive on the chaos. Come on. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to somebody. In that culture of crisis where everything ends badly, where everything is wrong, we create a place of chaos. And then we thrive in the chaos, especially us guys who are fixers. Because guess what? When there's chaos, we can fix it. Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix that. See, I made it all better, right? Everything's better. And wifey goes, no, it's not. To create a a, a culture of crisis. Crisis in any area of our lives is a second opportunity to learn a life lesson. If we do not learn from our crisis experiences, you will be sentenced to a life of chaos. The choice is yours. Uniquely yours. No one else. No one else can throw this on you. The choice is yours. Crisis or opportunity, chaos or order. 
How many can raise their hand and be bold and say, I've lived a life of chaos and crisis and I don't want that anymore. I want to live a life that brings opportunity and order. Amen. And I'm trusting God for it. Here's the thing. You can't do it. Oh, no, you didn't tell me that. Kev, you should have led with that. You can't do it. Amen. Amen. So in the end, the words we choose to define our lives become life sentences that sentence our life from crisis to crisis or opportunity to opportunity where chaos is the norm or with order we build form. As we approach Thanksgiving, how many know that in the presence of God is where all this is possible, right? The Bible says it like this. In the presence of the Lord, the hills melt like wax. Imagine if you had some circumstances and they were represented by a giant hill and all of a sudden there was a torch. My dad and I used to have this really cool propane torch and we would like burn weeds with it. Like a flamethrower. And just destroy everything in its path and fire. In the presence of God, you have a propane torch and the circumstances that bog you down melt like wax in the presence of God. But here's the deal. It says in Psalm 104 that we enter his gates with what in our heart? Anybody? Thanksgiving. So picture yourself walking up to the gate of God's house. Probably lives in a really nice neighborhood, yeah? Where all of the houses have gates and there's a code on the gate and you walk up and you're like, F-E-A-R. Nope. Help me with my spelling. F-R-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N. No. That was, that was right. That was right. Correct spelling, wrong code. <laughs> A-N-G-E-R. My wife hates me. T-H-A-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G. Oh, that's the key. That's the code. The code is thanksgiving. And the gate is open wide. And Jesus gets on the intercom. You got it. Come on in. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And you're walking through. Picture it. We could make, make a movie out of that, couldn't we? Come in like this. All right? <laughs> we can do it. How fun would that be? Jesus' house. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. So the code is this. Don't be discouraged. And if you are discouraged, say, God, I want to be thankful. And begin to speak the things that you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my family. 
I'm thankful for my family of choice, the people I choose to do life with. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my health, what's left of it. Praise the Lord. I'm 45, baby. I'm, I'm coming, right? Oh, you're a spring chicken. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The best is yet to come. And so for some of us, we're like, this is, I don't, I, I don't get it. I want it. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, this is for you. There is nothing you can do or say to earn God's love. Nothing. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know the roads that I've gone down. You don't know the things that I've allowed my heart to be a part of. You don't know the horrific things that have happened in my life at my choosing. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because Jesus loves you unconditionally. I know a lot of us haven't had that modeled for us in our life. There's, there's, there's typically been conditions placed on love from other people, but God's love becomes, comes to you unconditionally. That means there's not anything you can do to earn it. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. And so as we end life sentences, wouldn't it be great if we declared the word yes in a world that is so filled with no? No, 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 no. No. We flip the script and say yes. So would everybody in this room right now with me on the count of three just say yes? One, two, three. Yes. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus before. You've, you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. I want what pastor's talking about. I want what these people are feeling. I want what these people are sensing. All around the room, if you know Jesus, will you begin to pray? Anybody in this room who wants to start a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as we begin Christmas season and believe that the best is yet to come. If you want to start that decision or make that decision today and start that relationship, just lift your hand right where you are. Anybody? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. 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 And just like we did last week, if you're here and you say, God, I want the negativity out of my life. I don't want to keep going through what I've been going through. I want to grow through this time. I don't want to go through. I want to grow through. I want to learn the lesson because I want to get to the next level because there's a whole new set of circumstance at the next level. But God, you've equipped me for it. You've prepared me for it. You have a plan for me. And the best is yet to come if that's you. I just want you to stand to your feet in this life sentences. You're saying, yes, I'm ready to go to the next level. I'm not going to speak negativity. Speak God's words over my life. 
I'm going to speak the truth over my life. And as I speak that truth, God will reveal more and more and more in my life, and my life will never be the same. Say it with me. The best is yet to come for me and for my family, for my children, for my church, for my community, for those who don't know him yet. Lord, we're running out of chairs in this place, God. Would you bring more chairs in Jesus' name? So that we, Lord Jesus, can receive more who need to know that the best is yet to come. God is doing great things. Put your hands in the air. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? Really, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, say it if you know it, it shall prosper. God bless you guys and have the best Thanksgiving week ever.